What up, Whiskey Ginger fans? Welcome back to the show. If it's your first time joining the show, welcome to the show. If you're on the YouTubes, uh, subscribe to us. Leave a comment down below for the Al Go Rhythm. Appreciate you watching all these episodes. Uh, we're climbing up in them subscribers, about to hit a quarter of a million, and I'm very appreciative of that. It's been a good long road for a couple of years here, and let's keep moving on this great thing. I am on the road. AndrewSantino.com for them tickets. Uh, I'm going to be in San Francisco, Halloween weekend. And then it's 19 cities that are all listed on the website, including uh, Philly. We added uh, a late show, added a late show in Portland and Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Grand Rapids, New York, Albany. Um, I'm everywhere, man. Honestly, I'm going all over the country. I can't even remember most of the places that I'm going to. But uh, go to andrewsantino.com for those tickets. andrewsantino.com for those tickets. Uh, my guest this week is Anthony Jeselnik. My guy, love this dude. He is so funny and uh, got such an interesting process in the comedy world, the comedy business. He is wonderful. Uh, enough rambling from me. Let's go to the episode. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. You were that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75. Gingers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest today is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests, but I mean it once again today. It's Anthony Jeselnik, the return of Anthony Jeselnik. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me back or making me do this. I made to you. Be more appropriate. The last time you thought this was going to be, well, this was at my house the first time you did it. And then you thought this was going to be my home. Did you really think that this might be the place that I've fallen to at this point? No, I just thought maybe I like, went to the wrong address. Like I've got, I think I was doing Rogan's podcast, and the Uber dropped me off, and I was like, "Wait, this isn't it." And I had to like get another Uber. Like sometimes you just get you go yeah. to the wrong place. That I I've figured that. maybe you were in a studio now, uh, which I guess I'll call this. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was you like, thought, I think I'm here. You thought I'd know. be? No, we keep it real, real ghetto, real low key for everybody that wants to know. We're in Airplane Hangar Five at Van Nuys Airport. Uh, all you have to do is go buy Jet Suite X. We're right next to Jet Suite X. And I actually I live right next door, so it was a quick Uber ride. This is easy for you, man. Yeah. Wait, you don't drive anymore? I do uh, only when I like and when I'm doing a podcast. I just want to not stress about it. I like read something on my phone. I'm listening to the uh, the Dodgers game right now. And uh, watching that. Oh, it's you don't want to be watching it now. What it was, happened last was, night? Boston, by the way, beat the shit. They like eleven to. Boston's hitting a ton, but it was like two nothing when I got in the car, and now it's like five to two. It's uh four to two. Four to two. Yeah, you know what's so funny? Um, is that like my interest used to be higher for Dodger games because I'm a Cubs fan, but I live here. But I Dodgers, but I live here. You know, like I'll root for them. But for some reason, as of lately, I've been so disenfranchised with baseball in general that I just, like, I, I watch intermittently. I don't know why. And maybe it's a football season started, and I was like, meh, I don't know. I'm over it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm I a Pirates guy, so it's been tough to root uh, the last couple of years. But, like, I got a Dodgers hat last year. Because I'm like, I, I got the dog during COVID, so I'm walking the dog. I needed to get hats, you know, keep the sun out of my face. Yeah. And having a Dodgers hat, like, people treated me differently. And I felt like Fletch. Like I felt like I was just like I felt like, like yeah. I'm, I, I'm oh I'm middle aged now. The people were asking me about the game, and I was like I gotta I gotta lose this hat. <laughs> I went back to the Pirates. By the way, Fletch they remade. I heard they remade Fletch. They finally did it. They've been talking about it. For yeah, a and because originally it was like uh, Joel McHale, maybe no. I thought it was gonna be um, Don Draper. No. Uh, no. Yeah. What's his name? Um, 
John Hamm. John Hamm. He was supposed to originally be Fletch. And I thought I, it was going to be um, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, maybe that's who ended up doing it. He seems like the guy that the would first do it. Guy. Who's your pick for Fletch to redo it? And by the way, people that haven't seen, if you've never seen Fletch before, one of the best movies. I mean, I thought it was so good. I, it's just like, we don't really try those kind of comedies anymore. Like, I loved Fletch so much that I loved Fletch Lives as a kid. Like, I saw Fletch when, like, as a kid, like, on TV, but I saw Fletch Lives in the theater and thought it was just as good because I was a kid. But you were wrong. Better. Oh, totally wrong. Yeah, wrong. You can't rewatch it. But it was just, it, but it was one of those things where, com- I mean, we talked about this last night because uh, I was talking about how, like, you know, we go to see movies now. Maybe one trailer will be somewhat of a comedy. Even if you go see a comedy. Yeah. The rest of the, they're not, com- the rest of them are, like, romantic comedy stories or I don't know I just think it's just that you they don't take shots at these great unique comedy stories anymore I think I don't know what the fear is like my favorite movie is Big one of them is Big you could never remake Big today No, you just couldn't and if you did it would be too I don't know they would make it so littered with so many stars mm-hmm. it would like lose all of the fun that was back then it was like Tom Hanks was the star like Chevy was the star and he had ancillary good actors but he didn't have like five huge names to carry a movie where you're like, oh, that's that guy. Oh, that's that guy. Instead, it was like great actors around one or two really talented big names. Now I feel like every movie is like featuring 19 of the most famous people you've ever heard of. And you're like, well, that's not, I, I'm not, there's not enough actors I think that are good enough to make me forget who they are and see them as the character. Mm-hmm. I think that's rare. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I, also, I also think that like back in the day, like the movie Airplane, yeah. Like the head of the studio was like, this is a piece of shit. And then he saw it, he was screening it and his kids are dying laughing. And he was like, oh, let's put it out there. Right. And that doesn't happen anymore. Right. It's not your kid. It's not like, oh, my kid likes this. I'm going to do it. It's we've got to test it. And not everyone with comedy, you're not going to get everybody. Yeah. You know, there's not going to be another like something about Mary. It takes a lot for everyone to get on board with the comedy that they're just not going that. Route. Why? What changed? Because stand up certainly hasn't taken the downfall. I mean, stand up's gotten strong. I'd say more stand-ups are selling more tickets now than ever before. Mm-hmm. But, it, but that's because it's so easy. You don't need to get like a crew. You just like, it's just one person yeah. and like their little team going on the road. But that's easy and it's so compartmentalized. But to yep. get a big, everyone's taking big swings at the movies. And these independent movies don't want to fuck with comedy. They want to do, they want it to be some deep, you know, my dad killed himself bullshit <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that you don't get to see a lot of, a lot of indie comedies. And they're just, they just don't want to, they don't want to take the risk, I guess. I think it's also because, well, I mean, I, you know, this is conspiratorial, but I think that comedy doesn't translate overseas either. That's no. another thing. So, like, no. they're thinking about China. They know China's not going to buy, unless it's Kevin Hart, who's a recognizable face, or yeah. The Rock, or, like, someone that they've coined with comedy, mm-hmm. it's not going to sell. It's got to be an action comedy. Totally. Yeah, someone has to die, blow up, guns, car yeah. flip. Yeah. That's why the Fast and Furious movies, to their credit, there's become so self-aware and they shit on themselves now. Mm-hmm. And that's the comedy in it, is they just, they dumpster dive all over those movies. Dude, if Tyrese is the comic relief in your movie, it's not a comedy. <laughs> no, like, I just like. But they have, but that has to be registered as such because now that that's the only kind of comedy that's out there. I mean, what the Martian won comedy? Didn't that win like Best Picture for comedy? The Martian wasn't it? The Martian was that a com- like a Golden Globe it, for comedy? I seriously think it got it got comedy. I think it won for comedy. I mean, there's not a joke in the whole movie. It's like Matt Damon smiles a little bit when he should be like pissing himself. But and they're like, "This is funny." Yeah, I remember that was the con- controversy. Like, why are they calling this a comedy? But the Golden Globes are a sham. It's not real. It's they're like they're still they're still jerking off over Emily in Paris. Like they don't know what the <laughs> hell they're doing. But would you host it if they asked you? Golden Globes. 
probably if they, I mean they would never, but probably I would I would take a shot. But I think that just got old, like the roasting thing. Yeah, what like Ricky Gervais is like fourth time. It was like oh this is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler kind of doing it, but then they got soft where it was like they kind of, like roasting got so big that they kind of went anti roast. Yeah, it was almost like compliments. Let's do this in a good natured way that nobody wants to watch. You know why? Because those people at the end of the day know they might work with mm-hmm. one of those guys. And they always think, I don't want to have that conversation yeah. of going, hey, you know this is all in good fun and da 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 Because they're going to take it serious. Oh, totally. It's kind of like what happened with Sandberg and Wal- and Mark Wahlberg. Remember when Andy like did that thing, how's your mother or whatever mm-hmm. on SNL? And he, he was actually like upset about it. Yeah. It's that kind of vibe where it's like people don't want to have that conversation where being like, you know this is a joke. Yeah. None of this shit is real. It's an honor to have someone do an impression of you on SNL. 100%. Like I do, someone was t- sent me a clip that you're in uh. on Dave. Yeah, where they're they say uh, they oh we talk about you yeah they go like you're the number one comedy album like fuck you Anthony Jeselnik and people were like are you mad and I was like I'm thrilled I've been sending this to people yes it's an honor to be mentioned in pop culture yeah even if it's like and I thought that was it was a compliment on the show it is a compliment even saying fuck you Anthony Jeselnik like that's that's great like I I love it it's that was uh, that's also because like uh, I mean all of the writers for the most part, of two in particular are like really big stand-up fans, like really big stand-up fans. And that's just like a way for them to like wink or nod at something. Yeah. The idea that that was offensive is funny. I can't believe we never talked about that. I forgot about that fucking line. I assume because- Who I, says that line? The agent or whatever, because it cuts to you. You don't say, you're not talking, but it cuts to you that I was like, that I assumed, and we haven't talked about this, but I assumed that they must have run through like different, riff different names. Yeah. Because I thought you would have told me like, hey- we got a shout out. We did a shout out to 100%. you on this thing. Yeah, I would have texted you. Like, we did, I think the original, you know who the original name was. I do actually remember that now. Because it was at the record label. Uh, guess who the original name was? Um, first thought, Bo Burnham. No. Second thought, um, Jim, Jim Gaffigan. I think it was Regan. Okay. Gaffigan. Then the writer made him say Dane Cook because that's just, a, somebody always wants to throw that in there. Was it like, did it take place 10 years ago? <laughs> I think that was this underhanded and then somebody and then I think and then I think that's how your name they were like well let's do other stand-ups and then it was then they rifled off a bunch of names but I think Regan was first for some reason and then you and then I don't even know I think the last one was definitely like a Garfunkel and Oates or something like you know what I mean mm-hmm. like there was just like one from the side and that's the one that they always are like, I don't think enough people know who that is. Yeah. And I'm not taking a shot. I'm just saying. That's mm-hmm. one of those jokes where inside baseball people are like, nah, outside people are like, what is that? What is that? Is that oh, a- I, I opened, for, like I opened for Garfunkel Notes as part of their special taping in uh, Seattle. Oh. And I'm friends with, I'm friends with them. And they were like, it'll be funny. Like I'll do a bit where I'm like just the worst opener ever for them. Like I'm trashing them. Yeah. I'm getting booed. Yeah. And it was so funny because it was taped at the Neptune. And I performed there a bunch of times. So the staff knew me. Right. But no one in the audience knew who I was as a comic. None of they, their fans are rec- they, they no, they recognizing you. No, because they're not comedy fans. They're Garfunkel Notes fans. Right. And didn't know anything about stand-up. And the staff would be like, I can't fucking believe these people don't know who you are. Like, I had no idea. But you ripped anyway. I mean, I, I ripped in a way that it was like, it, they introduced me as like, he's going to come make fun of us. Mm. And he's going to want you to boo him. But I wasn't doing my act. I was just like... I was just being like, just the worst opener you could ever have as part of my thing. <laughs> yeah. But then I was doing like a, like a Q&A or, with, um, or doing a man on the street thing, ask, talking to fans afterwards. And they had no idea who, I was just a guy with a mic. How long they ago was this? Know. 
four or five years ago now. I mean, time means nothing anymore. Isn't but, that weird? That is yeah. funny though to think about. Because four or five years ago, I think for sure they would know who you were regardless. No. I mean, they just, they didn't know any, there's no stand-up who could have come on stage that they would have known who they were. Uh, Kate. M- Kate Micucci. Micucci. And Ricky Lindholm. So this is, this is kind of, ra- this is so random. We don't really know each other. I think we've met, you know, through the grapevine, but we're not, we don't know each other. And I got an email. I got a DM. Maybe it was a DM. And it was like from her, from Kate. And she goes, this is super weird, uh, but I have your mail. And I was like, what? She's like, I think I live in your old apartment that you moved out of because I have like a check of like a, like a cast and crew check that got slid under the door. And I was like, no, seriously? She's like, yeah, we moved, me and my family moved into your old apartment. And I, and I was like, oh, well, I can stop by sometime in Hollywood tomorrow night doing the store. And this is funny. I I thought, oh, should I, we don't know each other. So I was like, is it, it's going to be. You know, like, hey, what's up? And then we have to kind of talk because we do know that we're comedy connected, the connection. Mm-hmm. But she took she took the pressure off because she was like, I'm actually not going to be home. I'll leave it at the front desk. I was like, great. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I would have been, been like, tear it up. I don't need the money that bad to go through this. <laughs> but you know what I mean when you're like, we have that thing in common. So I had to, I was like, oh, fuck. It's, I'm going to have to like, you know, be nice and have a little chit chat because otherwise it's weird to be like, thanks. And then not, not just leave. But she took care of it because the awkwardness. That happens all the time when I run into somebody that I don't really know that's a comic and we're on the road in an airport. And you like, obligatory, you have to chat. But you're like, I, I don't, I, we've never met. We don't even know each other. We don't know anything about each other, really. I've had that where he, a comic will come up to me and someone I know, like, um, oh, fuck, what was his name? Big, big, heavy black guy. Really funny. Lavelle Crawford? Lavelle Crawford. Came up to me at the baggage claim. And he's like, Anthony Jeselnik. And I'm like, Lavelle Crawford. And we're like, we're both smiling. We both like each other's stuff. Yeah. But we're a baggage claim. And it's like, that's all we had. So we're just kind of standing. And it's like, so where were you? Where were you this weekend? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was here. And then it's just like, let me get the fuck out of here as fast as possible. Yeah. No, no, t- no shade. Not talking any trash, but. No, but there's uh, nothing. You don't really. It's hard. It's also hard when comedians are in transit. Like seeing people on the road or on the go, you're like, I, this is already the most annoying part about stand-up. The worst is when like you're in first class and someone's going, like you're going to do a theater and they're <laughs> going to do a club and they walk past you and say yeah, hello. I hate it's, that. It's, it's, it's tough. Well, it's also, what did I, one time I, uh, I was going to JFL. Mm, I don't know if it was Vancouver or maybe it was the Vancouver time. Oh, no, 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 it was going to Montreal. And I was going to Montreal and I was going late and we were, because it was like the end of the Montreal just to do like TV stuff for that I'm Dying Up Here show, like the first season. And um, <laughs> I'm sitting in like the third seat in first class and uh, Jim Carrey and all these other people, you know, and I see agents that I know that not are my agents, but guys that I know and they're walking by and they're like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, hey. And they're walking by and it feels so good because the tables had turned back yeah. in the day when you were waiting at the gate with some young agent who you're like, you're, you're fucking, you get this seat. Yeah. You get up here. I have to sit in the, bu- I'm the one that's going to work. You get to go fucking get black out for three days mm-hmm. on a, con- on a company tab. I always hate, I, that bothered me so much, man. My favorite one of those, I, I just done, it was like 2013. I just finished the first season of the Justin Look Offensive. Yeah. So like, I'd never been more like famous in a way that like I'm I'm on billboards I'm on subway posters like everybody knows you. I'm I'm I'm, all, I'm over there and it's exhausting at the same time like I just finished my 10th episode I go to the rap party and the next morning I literally get on a plane to start my tour and the tour starts at um, Moon Tower in uh, in Austin yeah 
So I don't, I get, I get like two hours of sleep. I'm on a 6 a.m. flight and it's like, like Mark Marin, um, Don Marrera, like a bunch of like comics and like some, half of us in first class, half of us aren't, but it's a lot of people that I know. And we're all kind of saying hi, but it's 6 a.m. And I, I put in earplugs, I go to sleep cause I'm exhausted. Yeah. And they're talking to each other, laughing around and I'm not engaging. Then we get off the plane and I get a text being like, your car is waiting out front. And I go, and I'm not thinking anything of it. I just kind of like walk past everybody. I'm like, I guess I'll see them. I'll see everyone at the car. And then I, re- I get there and I realize I have my own car because this is part of my tour. I've booked car services for myself. Mm-hmm. And I get to the, the hotel that everyone's staying at. I'm only there for one night. And as I'm smoking a cigarette, this was like, I was going through shit. I'm smoking a cigarette <laughs> at, like, at like 10 a.m. And I see this giant white van pull up and like eight comics who are all like 10 years like more into it than I am get out of the van and I'm like no one has ever had more shit talked to them uh, talked on them than I did in that van ride oh over. yeah they Big were all time. like this guy thinks he's bigger than us this guy gets his own car why does he get his own car and I'm like I paid for it I did, I would have happily ridden in the van with you guys I but, didn't know but that's not true you didn't want to ride in the van I didn't want to I like Justin like doesn't ride in the van yeah. I, um, I will I'll be nice <laughs> you know, I'll lower myself for, for half an hour when you do t- when you do the road, do you do the bus thing, or do you just fly, 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 fly? I fly, 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 and I yeah. look, I even got to the point where I would t- I would charter a private jet if I ha- if it was if I'm doing four cities in a weekend, you know, yeah. it's, it's four flights, and there's like one day where I've got to get in that day of the show, and I'm going. It's like you're going from like somewhere in Nebraska to somewhere in like Montana, and you've got to go. Yeah, like it's like an all day flying thing. You got you got connecting flights. I just say fuck it. And get the private jet. And so it's, it's all you by yourself, or are you with the tour manager or somebody? I have, I have, I bring my um, my opener with me, but Who's, I don't. Do, have you know, a tour do I know manager. who your feature is? I, I, I switch it up, uh, and yeah. I'm sure you know Megan Gailey. Of course, I uh, love Megan. Jacqueline yeah. Novak, Mo Welch. Those are the three I had on my last tour, and it's like yeah. I got a West Coast girl, I got an East Coast girl, and I got someone who can fill in when they can't do it. Yeah, you know, I prefer straight white males only. I o- only take straight white males. I didn't want people who wanted to party. I yeah. wanted someone who just like wanted to go back to the hotel. And hang like, out. smoke a little pot and just like, they've got to go call their boyfriend or their husband and I go to bed. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about, when I tour now, it's the long game. Like people, all friends from high school who are like living in Atlanta and they're like, let's go out. And I'm like, I can't. This is like week eight of, I got like eight more of these to go. Yeah. I need to go home and like watch a movie and pass out. Yeah, that's good. I, well, I mean, mine has become a really close friend of mine. So that's, that's what's really, that's also really hard because we do want to just go have fun all the time. But like we just did Boston. And it was like my family was there because my family came from Chicago and they were like, we're coming to Boston. That's so close. It's easy. And then it ended up like my aunt came, my uncle came. It was my birthday. That's also why. But it was like my cousins came. Then so it was just like I wanted to go out one night on my birthday. But my dad was like, come on, let's go party. And I was like, I know, but I got to go back and shoot. And then I'm leaving again. And they were all like, no, don't be a bitch. It is a hard when everybody's like, we got to go out. Let's go out and have a good time. And it is fun because you're like, let's go get fat on really good food and drink as much wine as we can drink yeah. and talk shit all night. It is, it is really hard. And me and uh, my, my, the guy I go with, Chris O'Connor, who's great, um, you'd love this dude. He's really good. He lives with Gillis. He lives with Shane in New York. And they kind of start doing Philly together. And he says he's got, Chrissy two, he's got Chris 2.0 on the way. He says he's working out now when we go on the road. I was like, oh, wow. Has he done it? No. No, not maybe even the, close. Maybe the first week. Yeah. No, not even. Didn't he? Bailed. Really? Bailed right away. I was like, I thought you were going to. He's like, I know I can't. I just can't. When I go back to Pittsburgh, I like I do a thing where I, I play this theater, and then I just like I ask them if I can just have let my family and friends hang out in the lobby afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I even I get champagne because I want to like be like, you know, this is, this, is, um, this is a baller moment, and then just hang out there. 
and then go to my hotel at midnight and go to bed. Yeah, so that's it's like, smart. Well, I'll do something. Like I, I was performing in Baltimore at a theater. My parents were on, va- my family was on vacation in Ocean City, Maryland. And then like, we, I would have gone with them on vacation, but I'm like, I'm on tour. And like, we want to go to the Baltimore show. And I'm like, all right, I get them all tickets, but then they have to drive these like hours. And I'm like, I don't want you guys driving. So I'm like, I'll get you a bus. So I get them like a party bus and I have it stocked because you've got to ball out for your own family. 100%. You know? And I ended up, I think I lost money on the deal. You know what I mean? And that like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, before, yeah. I'm doing a sold out theater, yeah. but to have a, this bus drive hours to get them, hours to take them there, hours back. What does that cost to rent a bus like that? You, well, you've got to pay for them to go like to the, it's not like, the, it's not like an Uber where they start when they pick you up. Right. You know, so it's like, it's like two hours from, they go from Baltimore oh, to Ocean shit. City, then back and forth. And then loading up the bus with stuff. I got a bunch of crabs for backstage. And like, I, they're like looking at their watch like, we got to clean this shit up when you leave. So get out of here. Wrap but it up. Yeah. yeah. Cost it, some money. Well, this is, I, I need to go back real fast because I'm very curious. The, 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 the private jet thing is heavy. That doesn't hit you with a big enough tab where it hurts a little bit. Or you're doing so well, it doesn't even matter. I don't do it enough that, and it'll be like, I, I've never ridden a private jet that I've been paying for for more than an hour. So it is really okay. like it's expensive, but it's worth it. Have you ever like you you when you back when you're flying coach all the time, and you like they you get to the the counter and they're like for a hundred bucks more you can go to first class yeah. and you're like no fuck it and then you spend the entire time in coach being like I would give a hundred bucks right Should've now done to it. move up. Should have yeah. done it. Yeah. But now I'm like if I ha- if I was going to be flying all day, you might lose your luggage. Mm-hmm. It is and it isn't a baller move. It's not like a. It's just like I mean I can even spend eight hours doing this. Where I can spend three hours doing this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to pay for that yeah. because it just makes everything so much more relaxing. Well, it's not a baller move because you don't post that kind of stuff. Like you're not that kind of guy that no, no one would know that unless you told me that. I my opener took a, had a picture taken, uh, my watch, and, and tweeted it, and I retweeted it, being like, "I think this is like this is undignified, but retweeting it is the height of class." <laughs> and my friends gave me so much shit, and I was like, "I stand by it." Yeah, like I stand by this. The retweet is cooler than the original tweet. In here. We pour whiskey. I don't know about you, but bedtime is my favorite time. I love being into bed. Some days I don't even want to get out of bed. And I got to tell you something. This company uh, that sent me the most luxurious, soft, smooth, sexy sheets that I've laid on in honestly years. I'm not even joking about this. Uh, Bowl and Branch. Bowl and Branch. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of them before in the past. Um, There's something about the small details of very nice things that really add up over time. You know, it's like uh, when you see someone that can keep their sneakers clean, you're always like, look at that, it's, it's sharp. It's something small and sharp, and the little things add up. Uh, for the legacy you leave behind at Bolin Branch was started by a husband and wife team that wanted to create a textile company that cared about the details that would make their products last. And I gotta tell you something, they send me a lot of this stuff, um, the product that we do on the show, they send me these things, and I did, I said, I said to the old bag, let's put them on a bed, let's see how it feels. My God, does it feel good. Um, if you want uncompromising standards uh, in so many other parts of your life, why not uh, make it in the place that you sleep and spend a lot of time in your bed? All right. That uh, it, it, Honestly, it was very surprising how soft and smooth um, and also the weight. It just looked really sexy and high end um, and quite honestly at an affordable price. You uh, should experience uncompromising comfort with the best-selling 100% organic cotton signature hemmed sheets. The cloud weight, super soft sateen weave gets softer with every single wash. And uh, we pulled it out of the box and it was comfy, 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 man. And I also love the breathability. I don't like stuff that makes me feel too warm. I'm not into that. I'm not a fan. 
uh, and this stuff stayed nice and cool. They're designed and manufactured for maximum comfort and durability, and they don't cut any corners. Uh, this this couple, the Scott and Missy Tannen, the co-founder of that Bull and Branch, uh, let me tell you something. They did it absolutely right. They Their manufacturing partners are family-owned businesses, which we love here at the Whiskey Ginger, so you should support them. If you want some new sheets on the bed, you want to look and feel like a king and a queen or whatever you want to be, you got to do yourself a favor and uh, experience an entirely new standard of comfort. Visit bowlandbranch.com. That's bowl, B-O-L-L, and branch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code WHISKEY. Uh, that's bowl and branch, B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code whiskey. Hey, I've talked about it before on this show, but if you're looking to showcase your work, if you're looking to blog or publish content, put up art, uh, or tell people about your tour dates like me, you got to use Squarespace to create your site. I use Squarespace and I told you this before many, many times. I'm going to stoop at a guy. Yeah. I'm not smart. And if I can do it, you can do it. Uh, I'm tech savvy only to a very small degree and they make it very simple. Uh, you can do almost anything uh, with Squarespace as far as creating your own site. Um, you know, they've got email campaigns to grow and engage your audience with Squarespace email campaigns. And you can also create content that matches your website's pre-existing products, which I think is really cool. And they also, they do something very amazing. They have these templates that are pre-built for you. You don't have to use them. If you're stubborn and you're a tech genius, go ahead. But otherwise... Um, they really do have everything optimized for mobile right out of the box, and it's a new way to buy domains to choose from over 200 extensions, and there's analytics on there that'll help you grow in real time. 24-7 uh, award-winning customer support, which we love, and also nothing to patch or upgrade ever, ever. Built-in search engine optimization. So whether you're an artist, an architect, uh, a writer, a nutritionist, a wellness coach, uh, a personal trainer, uh, a gamer, real estate broker, whatever kind of site that you're looking to create, artistic or not, uh, plain or sparkly. They've got it all there for you. Use their templates or do it yourself. Uh, either way, it's incredible. Go over to squarespace.com slash whiskey for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code whiskey to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash whiskey. Squarespace.com slash whiskey. Ginger. I like gingers. Did you ever do Oddball when they were doing that? I, in San Francisco? No, they, Oddball was like the tour where they did like arenas. Oh, no, 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 no. They did I like didn't four, do that. four years of that. I did no. like the third year and it was a lot of people and like the same people and a lot of pictures on private jets. And I never posted any of those, mm -hmm. but I knew every other comic was talking wild shit because we weren't paying for the jet. We didn't care. Well, yeah. And they would have it like lo loaded up with booze. See, that makes sense. If, if, a, if, like, if, you know, if it's on the shoulders of some other company, I don't mind people taking pictures. Then you're like, but it's hard sometimes like, I was, I was joking around with Schultz because Schultz, you know, Schultz is ball out. That's all he does on the road is ball out. But I'm like, he only does that because his fans love that shit. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of times comics, depending on your fans, they would fucking hate to see you on that shit. There's a lot of comics who like the meet and greet is almost more important than the show. You mm. know, it's like, mm. and I'm not, it's not a knock. It's just like, I don't do that. Like I um, right. I'm like I almost not I don't look down on my fans, but I don't want to meet them. You look down on them. I always say like, if you, <laughs> I don't care what they think. <laughs> that I'm like, if you need to meet me, yeah. you can hang outside the backstage area for an hour or two and maybe you get to sit, take a picture and I'll sign whatever you want if you do that. But I'm not going to stand there and shake everyone's hand and sign shit. Yeah. I just, I just, I Well, it's tough, it. especially the seats that you do. That's How could you get through that many fucking people? At some point that becomes, like the last time I did Philly, and I, I do like meeting my fans because, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't, there's something about it that's like, I, I, I like it but I can't do it now. But the last time I did it was in Philly. I did like six shows at he Helium, Helium, Punchline, at Helium. 
And it was like, I was exhausted. I mean, you're doing another show after the show. I think fans don't realize that. They're like, oh, you don't want to. It's like, dude, that's another show. And I also have to do another show. So I'm, so I'm doing three or four shows a night instead of just two because you have to be on and alive and awake and aware. And, you know, otherwise it's a waste of their time. Just be like, yeah. hi, next, hi, next. And you're sweaty. And, they went, and it, it went from being like, let's take a picture. So I'm gonna take as many pictures as I can before you tell me to stop. Yeah, that's exactly that's also the, very true. And like my hand would hurt after shaking all those hands. Like once I sold out of the CDs that I had, like Comedy Central made you buy the CDs yourself. Oh, I know, I remember. Yeah. But once I sold out of those, I was like, I'm not doing this ever again. <laughs> but I do, I do appreciate my fans. Uh, I just don't want to stand there in line like yeah. a, like a commodity and have people who would never would have like wouldn't have stopped me on the street, but they'll stand there in line and wait. And they're and they're nine times out of ten they're drunk. And I don't want to deal with They're drunk. always drunk. Sober fans, I'll do whatever you want. But when they're drunk, it's like, I can't get out of here fast enough. <laughs> there was a dude in Boston. This is my biggest pet peeve. I don't mind when someone's like, what up? I'm like, what up? Whatever. I fucking hate it. When somebody goes, hey, are you, you're an actor? And I just keep walking. I go, hey, man, you know, hello. Just hello. That's it. And he goes, where do I know you from? What are you in? What are you in? Mm-hmm. And the only thing I, that could come out of my mouth, and I go, oh, dude, you don't get to do that to me. That's not fair. And I just kept walking. I go, come on, man. That's, what a, it's such a weird thing to be like, tell me why I know you. It's like, dude, fuck you. I'm not, it's, it's such a rude thing to say. I had for a couple, couple years, and I didn't mind this, because it was just like, it made it easy, where they'd go, are you Daniel Tosh? <laughs> and I would go, no. They go, who are you? And that, they knew full well that wasn't Daniel Tosh, right. but that was like their way in. Uh, I, had a, I have a director friend who's like, here's what I do. Because when someone's like, have you done anything that I've seen? They go, I don't know. What have you seen? Like they put it back on them. Ah. And I was like, oh, that's great. And the first time someone did that to me, I was like, I don't know. What have you seen? They go, no, 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 no. What have you, what have you been? And I was like, all right, you're not going to play. This <laughs> yeah. is worthless. I should have said to that guy, but, you know, what do you like to watch? Well, the same thing is like, um, I got invited to one of these, like, I love golf. I, that's like my favorite thing on earth. And like, I got invited to like a faux celebrity golf tournament for like lowest level celebrities you could find. And and I did, and I don't. I didn't go this time because I did it one time, and it was embarrassing because somebody's always, you know, there's always drunk dudes in the group. They're like, "What do I even know you from? What do you even do?" And then you'll be like, "Oh, you know, listen, I'm standing kind of like, like whatever." And they're like, "I don't know you, man. I don't know. I don't know." And then you're like, "All right, well, I have to play fucking golf with you all day now." Yeah. So this was fucking fun. Now I have four hours of a guy being like, "You're not that line." You're not that funny for a comedian. It's like, ugh, fucking. I hate that. Jump off a fucking bridge. I once, I was uh, hosting a thing for um, NBC, Last Comic Standing. Mm. And they made us do a, like you, like the whole press day where it's like all the press comes. It's like a big thing. It's catered. And, uh, but we have to do it while we're shooting the show. So it's like I had to shoot the show, go to this hotel, wake up the next morning, get in a suit and tie and makeup, and then do a day of press. And then I had to leave and goes back to the studio mm. to shoot that night's show. So mm -mm. I'm exhausted. I'm pissed. And I walk out and there's just a bunch of guys just behind a rope asking for autographs. And I'm like, I just go, no, sorry. Like, you don't even want my autograph. You just want every autograph you can get. And the guy's like, Justin, come on. And I'm like, sorry, man, I got to go back to work. And he goes, oh, Jesus. And I'm like, you're going to talk shit to me for the rest of your life. 100%. Yeah. Have you ever had someone ask you to sign a blank uh, photo paper? Mm-hmm. I did it once. I was out to, I, I did a show in Anaheim. I come out and there's one guy with his kid. And so I walk over and he's like, he's got these blank things. I'm like, what is this? And he's like, oh, I just, you, if you don't sign them, I don't waste it. But if you sign it, I can print it out. And that's like what I do. And I'm like, did you even see the show? And he's like, no. 
but he's with his kids. So I'm like, all right, I sign a couple. And then I get in the car and the driver goes, you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, I know, I know it was annoying, but why? And he's like, because you don't know what they're going to print on that. Mm. It could be like an Anthony Jeselnik signed copy of Tower 2 coming down. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you don't know what they're going to do. That Now I, I say no to that uh, immediately. Anthony Jeselnik, I do not believe in the Holocaust. Just you yeah. already had signed it. You're like, they signed off on it, man. The autograph people who don't care, like if it's like a true fan, like do you ever like land at an airport and someone's waiting for you? It's like yeah. it's like three dudes. Which is very weird. They're a little awkward, and they don't. They, and you see it on eBay, and nobody wants to buy an autograph picture of me. It's <laughs> just like like a quick little scribble. What would that even go for? What would what would you think somebody would even pay for? And like a hundred bucks? I, I, no, maybe like ten bucks is a joke. I've never seen one on eBay for more than like fifteen bucks, and I've never seen one sold. <laughs> they're just selling it to each other the other guys that get autographs just keep selling it circulating it trying to drive up the market that's yeah. like the new NFT do you believe in any of that shit? no it's no. so real I, the guy one of the guys that I know I don't have any involvement in it because I'm not smart but one of the guys that I know that helps to do art for uh, my tour like the art for the tour he did art for Whiskey Ginger he's made us so much fucking money off that stuff and I was like I just guess I don't get it like I don't I don't understand, and I don't. I don't care about money enough to even want to understand. Yeah, if I guess my, that's like, right. I have a business manager, and if he was like, "We're going to put some of your money in mm -hmm. in NFTs or this," I'd be like, "Do your thing." But otherwise, let's be conservative. I'm not going to chase trends, and also, I, I always feel like I'm late into the game. Always that you could, if you would buy Bitcoin back in the day, maybe you're doing well. But I don't really know. I I, I truly believe it's all going to go back to zero. Yeah, and everyone's going to lose everything. Yeah, of course, I believe that too. I also think it's funding, fucking you know, something shady and illegal. Like, there's no way that's not like a child trafficking source. Like, there's sure. no way that's not some insane illegal black market fuel funnel for money. I just don't buy that either. Like, I just don't think it, the, that they can't be backed by anything. So it's going to collapse. And for sure, the government's so shady. If they can't get in on it, they're going to kill it anyway. And it takes all your attention. It's like my, my, my little brother uh, bought stock in GameStop when that was going mm -hmm. on. And he was like, I actually bought, I bought some and I'm going to like hold on for this. And he said like, for a week, he was just on his phone constantly watching it go up a dollar, down a dollar. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm yeah. not that into anything that I want to spend that. I don't want to spend my time looking at uh, these things. To me, that's like how, that's like rich people's uh, online squid game mm -hmm. where I think just like really wealthy people just like fuck with middle to lower middle class people being like, oh, buy this, buy this, buy this to the moon, doge to the moon, all that shit. And it does inflate it. And then all those rich fucks, they all sell it. Yeah, and then of you're, and you're like, hold out, dude, hold for the long run, and everybody loses all that money. I'm sure people did make a couple of bucks on it. I'm sure there's people that did have to come up. But. Yeah, and I don't, I don't knock it if that's gonna your thing. But like, I get an email once a month telling me how much money I have, you know. And if I and if I want more detail, I'll get it. But I was like, listen, I own stocks. Like I have this like fund I put money in once mm -hmm. a year, where the same thing everyone does. And I'm like, what do I own? And they printed out this huge thing, and I looked through, and I was like, Apple, okay. Uh, all right, and then just like gave it like I just I'm not interested. It's like let's if it goes down, it goes down. If it goes up, it goes up. I don't. I'm not going to follow it. Did you have was there a moment in your life where you were like, oh, money's not a concern anymore? Like that where you don't you could you retire tomorrow? I mean, I could. I'd have to live, you know, more a little more humbly, I guess, than I do, a little more frugally than I do. But yeah. like once I had no money for so long, like no money. Same. That once I had any money, it felt like I had all the money. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? That it was mm -hmm. like uh, okay now. Once I was like be able to fly first class, I thought like this is as good as it gets, and I didn't worry about it anymore. Just like just throw it on the pile, and I don't live in like a big, you know, I don't live in a mansion. Right. I live I live within my means, but I just like I have enough money that I feel rich, and then, like people are always chasing, 
You know, that even if you, you might, you might have $10 million, but you want 20. Yeah. I'm never going to be like that. That once I got to a certain point, I was just like, okay, I can say this. And now I don't care. And I, st- I still want to make money. I still want to work, but it's not as important to me. But I, once I was able to, like, when I couldn't get lunch with my friends, and all of a sudden I could get lunch with my friends, mm-hmm. I felt rich. That's huge. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I'll never forget making 700 a week before taxes as an accounting clerk in LA on TV shows and thinking that was all the money in the world. <laughs> well, like when you start headlining clubs and you get like, you're getting 1500, you're just like, I made it. Yeah, I'm and rich. You don't, you don't understand what door deals are yet. You know what I mean? It's like, and you don't understand theaters are a thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's like arenas mm-hmm. and co-headlining where it's like, it's just these giant venues that I've thought I've, I've, I've made it so many different times that it doesn't even excite me anymore. I'm uh-huh. just like, okay. Like, so what's the goal then for stand-up for you? Just to keep working, just to keep getting a better, becoming a better stand-up? No. I mean, I honestly, I like, I think you, I think I get better every time I'm on stage incrementally just by doing it. And the goal is just not to stop and to churn out as many jokes as I can in my lifetime mm. before I am like sick of this and I, I want to quit. Because I still love doing it. But it's like, I've written, I've done, I'm working on my fifth hour now Ugh. of comedy. And it's jokes. It's like, Every if I come up with a great idea, it's sixty seconds. Like I talked to Tom Segura about this, and he's like, "I go to the dentist, and that's twenty minutes." You know, thirty. I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's like, "For you, that might be a thirty-second joke, and it's right. a great joke." But that's what I'm interested in getting as many of those out of myself as I can. Yeah. So, and I and I'm aiming for brilliance. I'm aiming for greatness, and I think in my in those in those four hours I've done, I think I have a handful of truly brilliant jokes, but just a handful. But I'm trying to do as many of those as I can. And enjoy myself and you, try to you, evolve. What do you think? The other stuff that's in there that's not those truly brilliant jokes is just great jokes to support the other things? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like you've got to fill the hour. And it's like you've got to have, you can't just have nothing but great jokes because people would kind of get bored of it. You need, I feel like I'm a pitcher. You can't just throw fastballs. Mm. You got to have some change ups. You got to have some curves in there. So, but I think some of them are like, no one would ever see this coming. You know, there's some that like comics who are like, I can kind of see where you're going with this. Sure. Uh, but the audience has to laugh. And if they see it coming, so I'll get the laugh sometimes. Like I'll have two or three jokes is special where the audience laughs a little harder, not because it's, it's such a brilliant joke, but because they kind of guessed it first. <laughs> yeah. And they're happy yeah. that they got it. But that's almost setting up the next one where they think they know and I really get them. It's like a crossover dribble. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you doing this hour right now? Do you have it set up somewhere? Or are you going to go your own way? What do you mean? You know, like a lot of people now are turning to the alternative where like they're, Louis has people buy it on his own site. People sure. aren't going with Netflix anymore. Some people are going independently distributing or. I don't want to do the work. You know, I want it to be seen yeah. by as many people as possible. But like I love the Comedy Central was just like, here's how much you're getting paid. We'll take care of the rest of it. Whereas Netflix is like, here's what the budget is. You'll get this, but the, and the rest is going towards that. I'm like, okay. But Netflix has kind of annoyed me with the lack of audio. Mm. You know, the album was important to me that now they're not doing albums anymore. Oh, they'll, they they'll, don't. They'll do a vinyl for you. So you can be like, you can get nominated for, an, for a Grammy or whatever the fuck, but you can't get, you can't stream it and you can't uh, like buy the physical media unless no it's shit. vinyl. Yeah. So you have they, to do a separate record deal with another record company. They don't even do that anymore. Like I had, a, I had a three album deal with Comedy Central and so I did two albums with them and then my last one, Netflix, I, Netflix had to do it. Give me an album. And then the last one I had to really fight for mm. to get it and they're like, we'll, we'll do this but you can't stream it. You can only buy it digitally. You can get, I have a record deal with like 800 pound gorilla that puts out the vinyl. Right. And then, uh, but you can't hear it streaming normally that I'm like, I kind of like that aspect of it, even though it doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. Like it was important for me to get my first album in stores, which is why I signed a three album deal 
with Comedy Central. And then at, it was right at the moment where they just stopped doing that. Yeah. But like to get a copy of Shakespeare, you had to like get it from me in person. <laughs> you couldn't go to Best Buy <laughs> and pick it up anymore. But as a kid, I loved getting Stephen Wright's album. Yeah. I, like, I remember going to get Dimitri Martin's first album at Best Buy the day it came out. Like that was just cool to me. I yeah. still go to Amoeba and go to the comedy section and look through. Are they there? There's still albums there? I, I haven't been to the new Amoeba yet, but the old one had a comedy section. And I would go even like, I didn't have a Jesselnik label, but I had the J Michelinius. And I would go through, and if it was there, I was like, fuck yeah. That's and if cool. it wasn't, I was like, someone bought it. Cool. Like I was, I was happy no matter what. Yeah, that's a positive outlook on it. Yeah. Who was there? What albums were there that you were like, this guy's got an album here? The people that I'd never heard of, that yeah. there would be like 10 of them in there. That you're like, no one's buying this. It's like, this is bad. Yeah. But I loved like old Roddy Dangerfield albums. You know, I don't think I ever really bought physical copies, but Did you I used to be able those. to go in the, to, to Amoeba and listen to records? Could you sit, was there a record listening room there? I don't know if it was a room. I'm sure you could. I just never, I never. Because I, I feel like I remember when I first moved to LA, there was like a little shitty, I shouldn't say shitty, but it's like there was a little like fucking divey record store in Culver City. And you could listen to records. Mm -hmm. I've been to places like that. Or, I was like, that's can't. That's got to be a dead thing these days. There was a Virgin Record store on like uh, on Crescent Heights and Sunset that I oh, used yeah. to love because they would stay open Monday nights until twelve thirty. So when albums came out on Tuesday at that time, if you really wanted it, like I went and bought White Stripes Elephant at midnight because I was so pumped to hear it, wow. and then drove around all night listening to it. But they had a thing where you would scan it, like there were headphones, and you would scan the barcode, yeah. and then you could listen to the whole album if you wanted to. That I never really did that, but I liked that you could. Was that something that you so because we talked before, like you you used to love going down to watch movies at ArcLight. Mm -hmm. Like have you always been like a cinephile? Like you were like were you a kid like a kid who was obsessed with film when you were young or no? I wouldn't say obsessed with film. Like I wasn't like going back and watching Criterion shit, but I loved going to the movies and I there was a you know, there's a point when you're a kid where every movie you see is great. Yeah. And then you realize like I remember my dad taking me to go see Superman four. And like loving it. And my dad just not talking on the way home. And then I read an article a couple of years ago about how it's like the worst movie ever made. Yeah, they bad. used the same shot over and over again of him flying because they had no budget. <laughs> and I like called my dad and apologized. He's like, I don't remember the movie, but thank you uh, for the phone <laughs> That's call. That's what it's like to be a dad though. You just yeah. have to do that. Like I made my dad, I remember made my dad ride some ride. I don't know, we went to like Six Flags. Or yeah, Six Flags or something. And I made him ride the same ride over and over and over again. And I remember him saying to my mom, I'm just fucking exhausted. Like, I'm going to go to the hotel. I'm exhausted. And I was like, how can you be tired? Like, yeah. we have so much day left. But then you realize you get older, you're like, oh, that's, he just was doing that to be a good dad. Mm -hmm. He fucking hated every second of it. Oh, yeah. Maybe the first time he was like, okay, I'm bonding with my son. And then he was like, oh, fuck. I got This is bonding. What did I, what did <laughs> I do? Fucking hate this kid. But I, now, now to go see a movie, it's got to be something, I mean, especially after the pandemic. I've been to the theater twice uh, since the pandemic. Once I went and I saw the movie Old, uh, because it had been out in theaters forever, I knew it would be an empty theater. Yeah. So I was like, let's go see old and and just and be feel safe. And then I went uh, a week or two ago and saw Titan at the uh, that what the, is that? Oh, it used to be the Sunset Five. It was the movie that won the Palme d'Or. It's like, did you ever see the movie Raw? Oh, you texted me about this. That's right. The same director did Raw. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's like just a just like a fuck you up movie. Yeah, that movie. That, that I love that. Raw kind of was fucking gross. I mean, insane. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. an insane movie. And then you went to go see Old as what? M. Night Shyamalan's fucking yeah. movie? Yeah. How was that? I mean, interestingly bad. You know mm. what I mean? That I was like, I was kind of like just sitting there like, oh, I'd rather watch that than go see like Shang-Chi, whatever. Like the yeah. Marvel movies, I've seen them all. Yeah. But it's like, it just it glazes over me now. That like, show me something that really fucks me up. That's funny that you know, the, uh, 
interestingly bad is like the perfect review for those things where mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, I'm engaged, but it's not good. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm here, but I don't, I don't think I like this at all. I, I do that with most shit I watch now. Like if TV series, there's so many of them where I'm like, I don't think I like this, but I'm going to fucking keep I watching. I, I don't guess. watch anything anymore. Like I got into reality TV during the pandemic. Cause mm-hmm. it was like, you could just stream. Like I was, I had kind of a, I bubbled up with another friend who d- didn't have anyone. And uh, not that I didn't have friends, but I didn't have like, you know, I'm like, I'm locked in with my dog and a friend was just staying with me and uh, she got me into Big Brother. And this Czech- one of the Brit, is that the British one? It was started in Britain and now it's here. Oh. Got me into that. And then the show, The Challenge, which I love. What is that? The Challenge is that MTV show. Oh, Where it's shit. like, it's old yeah. reality, st- reality stars who are now like, they're all jacked. They're all hot. Right. They all get wasted <laughs> and they compete and then fight. Yeah. And it was like, it was the best. And it, that was the first thing that went into production during COVID. They went to Iceland and just got like the best of the best and put them in there for like, for a couple months. Oh, and shit. I was obsessed with that. It's still on, what is it on Netflix or something? No, it's, it, it's on, you have to get like the Paramount app or, oh, uh, sure. or watch it on demand. But I watch that every week. So you're obsessed with reality TV now, huh? J- just the challenge. And then I watched Big Brother this year and I'm like, maybe I, w- I don't know if I would get into it again, yeah. but it was just something to watch. But there's no, except for like Succession I'm excited about. But most things, I'm just like, I don't, I don't have the time. And after living through the golden age of TV, like right when I moved out here, you know, Sopranos was going on. Yeah. You had The Wire. The Wire, yeah. You had Deadwood that I got to work on. It was like right. a thrill of a lifetime. Right. And as an accounting clerk, not as like an actor, uh, just like being on the set was amazing to me. Uh, after those three, I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do that blows my hair back <laughs> right. after that, that I just don't, I don't care. In here, we pour whiskey. Hey, you know what's scarier? That ghosts and ghouls on Halloween, shaving your balls and nicking your sack in the shower and bleeding out. That should have been the final scene in The Shining. Jack breaks in and goes, here's Jack. And he just sees another dude shaving his nuts and jumps and makes him cut and bleed out. Scary times, man. You don't want to nick your sack, don't do it. You got to get manscaped. You know I love manscaped. There's no... No, uh, no reason to uh, cut up your pumpkin when you're carving it. Manscaped's here to upgrade your grooming experience. Go from bite-sized candy bars to a king-sized candy bar. I huh? pull back the wrapper. Two million men are using this. Uh, go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with that code WHISKEY20. Manscaped is incredible. Unlock that confidence. They got the performance package 4.0. You're going to find the holy grail of men's grooming. I got to tell you that lawnmower 4.0, the lawnmower, I have three of them at the house and I love them. One for my face, one for my balls, one for my butt, and one for, and I and the butt butt also is the Nifkin trimmer. Uh, but that lawnmower 4.0 is incredible. It's got that skin safe technology. You're never going to nick your nuts, I promise, or your Gucci or Grunner for your Nifkin. They got the weed whacker um, and also uh, that uh, nose, uh, the, the weed whacker, that's the nose and ear hair trimmer, which I like. And uh, seal the deal with that Manscaped liquid formulation, the Crop Reserver, uh, Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver. I'm telling you, this stuff makes you smell and feel good. There, Even in this performance package, they threw in uh, some boxes in the Shed Travel Bag, which you're going to need. They got so many life-changing products, you got to check it out. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WHISKEY20 at manscaped.com. It's 20% off and free shipping with the code WHISKEY20 at manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. I like ginger. Did you did you work with anybody as an, as a clerk that now that you got where you are that were like, dude, I used to work with you. There was one one of my favorite tweets ever. Who's the guy who uh, the guy who created the shield? Um, uh, Sean. Yeah, no, I see the name. 
Oh, he's got. God. He does SWAT now. He did the Shield. And I know. He did. He was on the Unit. There was a. I did. I did three shows: American Dreams, Deadwood, and then the Unit. And he tweeted. He was like, "I just found out Anthony Jeselnik was the accounting clerk on the Unit. Like, like uh, you know, accounting's loss is comedy's gain. Gain. I love him. <laughs> and I was. Cool. I wrote him. I was like, "This is the best tweet I've ever seen." That but is otherwise, cool. people didn't. People don't remember the accounting clerks. Yeah. Like when I've I've had two TV shows, and I always go into the accounting department to be like, I used to work in accounting, so I'm like, I know that you guys. Don't get a lot of action, but I'm gonna like come in and talk to you guys. And they look at me like, "What are you talking about?" Like, like leave us the fuck alone. We're in here for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, like get out of here. You don't talk to me, man. You get a, they big time you. They're like, get the fuck out, pal. Yeah. I Did you paid. go to school for that shit? I was. I went to uh, Tulane, and I was an English major. I wanted to be a writer. Like I thought I'd just be a, like a literally writing books uh, after that. So I didn't think about entertainment at the time. But my parents said, "If you, we're paying for this, so if you're gonna get an English major, you can't get a job with get a business minor, mm-hmm. so you can work." And so I was out here for a while, and my best friend, who I, have, I do my podcast with now, he works for the NFL, uh, he, um, he was a page at NBC. And he had my resume just like on his desk trying to get me a job doing anything. And somebody came by and was like, oh, he was a business minor. Like, we need someone to do accounting for like six weeks on American Dreams to clean up some mess. And it, by accounting, I didn't really know that. I couldn't tell you much about accounting, but I could file stuff and tape receipts to pieces of paper. Sure. So I went there, and they liked me enough that they kept me on the whole season. And then that boss would bring me to Deadwood, brought me to the unit. And when the writer's strike happened, the last big one, the unit got shut down and I was gone. And then I never, I never went back. But I was, you did, then I was on the road. At that. that point, you didn't need it. No, but I would be like, I would be on TV, you know, at night and then have to come into work the next day. So I was truly miserable having to answer the phone and get yelled at because they hadn't gotten their check yet. When I was like, <laughs> oh, did you see me on Kimmel last night? <laughs> I fucking crushed. You didn't yeah. watch me do my set? Anyway, yes, your check will be in the mail very soon. Mm-hmm. Did, was that in New York, 30 Rock? Or I mean, when you said NBC Page, that's out here? Yeah, they have, they have the Page program in both. I always think about, whenever I hear that, I'm always like, oh yeah, the Page is over at, at NBC there. But they, I guess what? I didn't know they do that out here. They have I one just, in Burbank and then one at 30 Rock, yeah. yeah. Burbank. But everyone remembers Kenneth. You know? Yeah, well, and also I think it's just a thing that I, it's such a notable thing about 30 Rock is just NBC Pages are just a part of that the cultural zeitgeist of that running around that building. I mean, when I when I tested for that show, and even when I went back, it's like a part, page is a part of the culture that I feel like you see. Hollywood here, I feel like there's too many people doing too many things. You're like, what is that? What, who, do, who do all these fucking people do? And there's no signification. It's not like you look like a type of way. Where there, they usually look, you know, they're, they're wearing, wearing the uniform. Their uniform. Yeah. Out here, I have no fucking idea. I, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm doing this Netflix movie right now, and honestly, it's so there's so many fucking people that work on the movie. I have to I don't sometimes people come up to me and say something and I'm like, I don't maybe that person was important. I have no fucking idea. No idea. Like uh <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to call him out, but um one of the uh, an actor friend of mine was with me at a thing and the president, the president of FX is standing right next to us. You know, we're talking to someone and and then he comes over, and he's like, hey, what's up, Andrew? How are you? I'm like, hey, it's great to see you. How you doing? He's like, very good, da-da-da. You know, this is great, da-da-da. We were premiering season two of Dave, all this stuff, and, and the other actor next to me is like, what's up? He's like, hey. And he goes, who the fuck are you? And I was like, no. I was like, no, dude. And he goes, well, I'm, uh, I'm the guy that does the thing. This is my thing, this whole thing. And he was very polite about it. He was very, very cool. He could have been like, who the fuck do you think? But he was like, no, I'm the guy. This is home. this is kind of my whole thing. All this stuff is my thing. And he goes, oh, shit. And I was like, okay, nice to meet you, dude. And when he walked away, I told my buddy, I was like, don't you know, you don't know who the fuck that is? He's like, no, he's wearing fucking street clothes. How the fuck would I know 
He's he's supposed yeah. to look more important than me. I'm like your friend. Like I I've I've said who the fuck are you to people, and they've told me, and I'm like, oh wow, okay, now we can talk. But like when you just walk up and assume, I know who executives are. Yeah. Like I never know. No, I don't know. But I usually just play my cards close to my chest, and I'm like, I don't know. That could be the fucking. I can't tell anymore who's super important, who's not. I got into an argument with a guy on set that was about. And then halfway through, I realized, I was like, fuck, what if this guy is fucking some EP at the thing? And he's going to be like, well, you're not working with us anymore. We got into an argument about touring. And he was like, do you feel it's a little irresponsible to be touring right now? And I was like, no. What do you, wh when would be the good time for me to go back out? People are vaccinated. And those that aren't, they make the decision not. That's their fucking right. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to not stop what I want to do just because other people are making their decisions. And he kind of was like, I think it's a little, you know, unethical or whatever. And I'm like, well, there's thousands of us that are doing it. So yeah. fucking, uh, and people are coming out. So I don't know what you want me to say. And it's the same token where I get sick of people email, like people email, you know, my agent and I will talk about it. They'll email like the fan page or like the mailing list and stuff and be like, yo, what the fuck? Why do I have to be fucking vaccinated? It's like, dude, I don't make those rules, bud. Yeah. Call your local Senate. That's your, the state you live in said you have to be to do this thing. In fact, in Boston, which was really weird, I played the Wilbur, um, and right across the street is, or next door is the Wang Theater, and then across the street is another one. Uh, and ours, I don't think was vac, I don't think you had to show a card. The Wang you do, and then the other one, all you had to do was have a, a negative test if you, you know, if you refused or whatever. So like, even in the one block, all the rules were different. But I don't like it that's put on the artist as if like I have anything to fucking do with it. Like I don't make those rules, man. And if you don't want to come out and see the show, uh, don't come see the show. I don't know if you feel unsafe, but I'm going to go back to work. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, like, I, I'm in a place of privilege where I don't have to tour. You know what I mean? If, mm -hmm. if I don't need to right now. And I don't have the time. Like I don't, not, I, don't mean, I don't have the time in my act that I could take it on the road now. Right. So I'm, it's, I'm out of the conversation completely. So I don't judge anyone for doing it. I'm glad, frankly, I don't have to deal with it. But anytime I'm at the comedy store, we're at Largo. Like I'm doing Largo this Friday, and they like you got to show proof of vax and wear a mask the whole time. Yeah, and people get mad, and they're like, "I'm boycotting." I'm like, "No, you're not. You're not boycotting anything because you're not allowed in." <laughs> so like, I don't care. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm happy they're doing it. I want people to feel safe while they're there. But if I was on the road, I wouldn't have a problem. I don't know if I'd be doing like I would. When people say they're refusing to do shows where they make you vax, I'm like, why? Mm. Why do you let people? Do their thing and just yeah. show up and just do your show and perform. Yeah. Well, that's what I do. I don't. I don't. I pay. I've paid zero attention to the rules of the venue because I can, I have no control over that. Mm -hmm. And I'm certainly not going to take it away from the fans in that city that want to fucking see me to be like, hey, I don't play there because you know the goofy shit that's going on. It's like, no, I'm going to play. I'll do what I can. You do what you can. We'll figure it the fuck out. I. But I do think it is interesting, you know, to uh, have the card and wear the mask. That's kind of one of those things where I'm like. What if they got to do it? I guess they got to fucking do it. But I have heard people bitch about that, where they're like, "I don't want. I'll just keep drinking the whole time and have my mask down." It's like, well, whatever, yeah. dude. Fight the good fight. Like I go to restaurants, I eat indoors, you yeah. know, and I do the thing where you sit down at your table, take your mask off, like, <laughs> and I feel okay. But I'm, I am vaccinated, and I, I think everyone should be. If you're not, I'm not going to fight about it. I don't you know give I mean? a fuck. I don't, don't want to fight about politics. I don't, but I, and I have my views, but I don't need. I don't care what yours are. Right. It doesn't matter to me. But, uh, but when people complain about, it, it's like. You know what the rules are. Like, if it's that important to you to go to a comedy show, then get the fucking shot. And shut the, or just leave me alone. Don't bitch about it. Well, you're a sport. You're a, you're a sports guy. What do you think? Uh, there's got like now it's all gonna like you know Kyrie Irving is not gonna play all season. 
Um, there was uh, an entire coaching staff, I think, at a college that decided that they're not going to play now. I think it is kind of wild that they're now, like the refusal, I wonder if that's going to start a revolution of athletes that are like, well, I'm not going to get vaxxed and you can't, I'm not going to play either. I, I, it's too much money on the table. Like Kyrie's his own fucking thing. Kyrie's yeah. a goddamn alien. The flat, the, the flat earther, man. Flat earther. And he, the fact that he's saying like he might be vaccinated, but he's, he's doing it because of people who are losing their jobs because they're not. Mm-hmm. I, I'm baffled by medical professionals who refuse it and are losing it. Like if you're a nurse and you've seen what's been going on and you wouldn't get it, I, I think that's insane. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think people are strange about their bodies. And I can see athletes being like, I know everything I put in my body. I'm yeah. not putting this in. Yeah. I don't care. But it's, there's too much money on the table. And if it's about, it's about your teammates, if your teammates are going to lose you or you're going to infect people or do or like you're going to put your team at a disadvantage, I don't understand that. Yeah. Because in a team sport, you do it for your team. When, if an entire team is vaccinated together, I think that brings them together. I think they have a better shot. But uh, I'd be furious if I, if I joined a super team with Kyrie. I mean, luckily they got Harden and uh, Durant, so they don't really need him. They're going to be okay. But I would be, I would be certainly annoyed. I think it is all about the money, though. It is, I'm sure there's guys that are like, I don't want to fucking get it, but they're like, how much? Yeah, fucking. Like I got guys opting out of the season, you know, last year, like yeah. for the NFL, with like a bunch of Patriots. We're like, we've won so many fucking rings, we've got so much money. <laughs> like I'm just going to take the year off and chill. Yeah. And I got that. Yeah. But like as a comic who is doing well enough that I was like, okay, I'm taking, I'm taking a year off. I didn't do any stand up at all even outdoor shows until I got vaccinated. Because I was even like, not so, I wasn't worried about myself as much as I, I was kind of worried about like, I've been so safe and I'm going to get it from this. Like that would be stupid. Mm-hmm. But also I didn't want people getting it coming to see me. Even right. if the show was outdoors, like they've got to get there somehow. It just felt irresponsible to me. I understood other people doing it. But once I finally got it, I was like, oh, I, I, I wouldn't have taken a year off without this. And I think I needed the year off. Did you, know, you well, well, did you write during that time or no? I tried it in the beginning. So hard. And just, it was like impossible. If I don't have to get up that night, like doing Largo once a month, I have to have new stuff. Yeah. I've got a 15 minute set that kills that I've been doing on the regular everywhere I go with very little, you know, tweaks. I've seen you. But I, but I have, I'm like trying to write new jokes just so I can try them out. I'll try them out this week and premiere them at Largo because I want people who are coming back to see at least something new. Yeah. When I talk about somewhere and trying something else out. Uh, but other than that, I don't feel I feel fine doing the same fifteen minutes, uh, and that, which is kind of a problem. I like getting out of that comfort zone. I wish I had to do twenty, where I'm like I'm bombing with this five. I've got to fix it because when you just do fifteen and you kill, you just feel like you walk out feeling fine. And there's no since I don't really feel like I'm going to be touring anytime soon. I'm taking my sweet time mm-hmm. with this fifth hour, but I'm okay with that. Do you ever do that thing when you when you write a new chunk and you go try it out and it does great and you're like right on. And then you go do it again, and you're like, I don't like any of that fucking stuff. I'm not going to do any of that shit. All the time. It's so weird. The feeling of that is strange. I'm, I'm going to do a show tonight, and the last time I did it, I tried out a bunch of new stuff, and it worked pretty fucking well. And then I tried it again before I left to go to Boston, because I was like, maybe I'll just jump in that 10 minutes. Maybe I'll throw it. And it just was mediocre. I was like, I'm not. That's, it's just so annoying that when you're trying to build, and I think also culturally what's going on right now, there is this... Like, people are really anxious to get, you know, back out to see comics and clubs and everything, but there's still a we're almost there vibe from crowds that's like, the road is different, but I mean, locally, it's like, yeah, no, 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 we're in, but, you know, be careful. Just yeah. be careful what, you, what, what you're talking about. It's a, it, there's almost like this looming thing behind it for some reason. I mean, not about, like, back, just about cancel culture in general? Just, every, just everything. I think people are all, I think people are weary of all... all I think people are so smarter smarter now about what's going on in comedy, what's going on about 
social and culture. They don't really just escape and then live in this moment with you. They're thinking a lot about the outside world responding to what you're saying. See, I, I, I can see what you saying that I'm immune. Yeah, you like, have to people be. know at this point, people are like expecting me to say to, some fucked to, up shit. Like I open with that trans bit mm-hmm. and I wish to God I could do, do a special tomorrow because of Chappelle, like bringing up all this renewed. It's like, here's how you can do a trans bit without making anyone upset. Right. You know, here's how you can do it in a way that's not like, that's not bowing down to, to PC culture, but is doing it in like a very smart way that I, frankly, I think like only I could do. Yeah. And I wish I could get it out. Like I thought about like, should I just go on Kimmel and do a five minute set just to get this out there? But I don't want to burn it. I want people to, who see the hour when it's done to, to get the whole hour. I, I get that. You know? When you saw Chappelle's, uh, Chappelle's stuff about all that, did that was is that annoying when you see that? Because then you're like, well, now anybody after it's going to be like, well, look at the version that he did versus the version that he did, because it is such like a touchy thing now. No, the only time I felt that way was my first stand-up special was called Caligula for Comedy Central, mm-hmm. and I taped it, and it was at the at the time rape jokes were the thing. Where it was like everyone was fighting about that. That I mm-hmm. opened with the rape joke, yeah, and I was like, you like that? I got five more, and I did. I had five more rape jokes throughout the special. And then uh, after I taped it, the Tosh thing happened. Mm. And then it was like, well, it's almost hack now to do. It's like you're trying too hard to do a rape joke. That I was yeah. glad I kind of got it in under the under the radar. So it was like it was still a little edgy at the time, but it was it wasn't the same way it would have been yeah. if that Tosh thing hadn't happened. That, uh, but I think like my trans joke is almost a response to Chappelle's obsession with it. <laughs> you know, when I watch the special, I'm like, I'm not offended by this. I just you've done five of these that I would love to hear you talk about anything else. And I know he's got other material. He's like choosing this. And I love Chappelle. He's one of the greatest comics of all time. Yeah. But I don't understand the obsession. I mean, I don't know. I didn't... For me, it was one of those things where, you know... Yeah, I mean, it's just... I I just... I didn't love the joke. I, lo- I didn't love the jokes. So, no. I, so I was like, I love him. But I, it's hard for me to fight back on some of that stuff because I'm like, man, I don't like that joke. It's not that it would offended me or that I was upset that it offended another community. It was more like I was like, I just didn't love the jokes. Yeah. I just wish his, I know he writes better stuff about other stuff. So you're like, there's a fight online. There was a fight online between comics talking about it. And you're like, or we could just say that we don't really love the joke because that seems to be the impetus of the problem. I wanted, I read about it and I wanted to just not watch it. But I'm like, people are going to ask, and I don't want to be the guy who's like, I haven't seen it, but from what I've read. Because he did a special a couple years ago where he got a lot of hate on, on the internet and people were r- yeah. writing the jokes. And then I watched the special and I was like, there's a twinkle in his eye. The way he's saying this doesn't translate to the page. Mm-hmm. That people are overreacting to this one. Right. And I forget which one it was. So I was like, I'll watch it for that. And I, I felt the same way as you, that I'm like, these aren't that good. The crowd's kind of like ooing that like he went there. Mm-hmm. But he's, like I did, I did my last special and I had a 20-minute abortion story at the end. <laughs> that I'm very proud of. That's the uh, suck the succulent. Uh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. And I'm like, I can never tell an abortion joke again for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> I hit it so hard for 20 minutes. Yeah, that's the one. That, like, that's done. Right. For me, that I can't believe that he doesn't feel that way. And I'm glad at the end where he's like, I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to take a break for a while, and I can't wait to see what he comes back with. Yeah. But uh, and I always, I always want to watch. But I've just been like, he, you just seem, you seem angry more than trying to be funny. Like, he has a place of privilege where people are going to love him no matter what. Totally. And come out and see him that he, he doesn't care about being funny. Like, I want to be able to kill everywhere with my act. Alt, alt clubs and, like... Club clubs. And club clubs. Yeah. You know, I'm Largo and the Comedy Store. Like, I know something's really good 
if it works at Supernova, the comedy store, and Largo. Because mm. I'll, I'll crush with something at Largo and then take it to the store and they're like, yes. like nope. Or I, I do a thing now where I'll come up with like a story. And I'm like, this is a, I got to do this on a talk show. Like I got to do this like sitting down telling Jimmy Kimmel the story. Right. Because it's not me. Right. You know, it's funny. And it's like, it would be a good dinner story, but it doesn't work as a stand-up act. So you'd have to just save it for something else. Mm -hmm. Or interject it into some, some, another thing that you're going to do. Oh, I burned half an hour of material that I was doing on stage just promoting my last special by telling that story on the couch. And it was like, it's not a conversation. It's just me literally doing stand-up sitting down. But it made more sense coming from me as a human being than me as the as like the, the fucking devil piece of shit I am on stage, you know? <laughs> I know, when people don't know you, and I know you, it is funny when people think they know who you are because of the character that you portray on stage. But it is very much not you in this weird way. I mean, it's you, it's you. Sure. But it's not, but it has this, mi and I think that's probably because, you know, you saying that you, want, that you wanted to be a writer, I think you get to embody this kind of written character that you have, which is like another subset of the, comedy writing mm -hmm. like you get to write the comedy the jokes but you get to write them as this great character that you've created in your mind a little bit mm -hmm. you embody it on stage but it is interesting that like i think people think they know who you are and that's hard to do as a comic unless who you are is exactly who you are like mm -hmm. uh tom segura is segura mm -hmm. unmistakably yeah so when you meet Nepergazzi's him on, Nepergazzi. that's exactly who he is you on the other hand it's like i sometimes i see when people meet you sometimes if we're out and it's just, I think it's, it's just, I mean, you feel it so much more than I do, but as a third party, it's wild to watch them think they know who you are and how to act with you. And they're surprised when they don't get what they're looking for, mm -hmm. for whatever that means, you yeah. know? It's as if you didn't take your shirt off for a Kreischer. Do you know what I mean? When mm -hmm. they're like, why is your clothes on? Yeah. It's like they treat you like that sometimes, and I'm like, oh, they just think you're this exactly this thing on stage. Yeah, or they think I want to hear that. From, like, they'll come up and, like, give me the, tell an edgy joke to me or say something edgy or, like, insult me or insult someone right. as, like, a roast kind of thing, and I'm just like, that's what I do. Like, I, I've done this so much that I, that I don't want to see someone's dark comedy yeah. because it's like it doesn't do anything for me. Like, I've, right. just, I've explored it so much on my own that I don't, I don't need that, so stop trying, you know? <laughs> stop coming up to me and trying. Yeah, don't try to make me laugh. Did you ever write a book since you were going to go to fucking school to write? Did you ever sit down? Never. I wrote like a novella my senior year as like my thesis for creative writing. Yeah. Uh, that I thought was great and then read it later on and was like, I'm throwing this away. <laughs> so like no one can ever read it. It's probably good then. And I've tried to write, like my, my therapist was like, try to write a novel, you know, during this pandemic. Like try that. And I sat down and I hated, I hated the process so much. And I think even people who write novels and actually get them published hate the process so much. Mm. But I'm spoiled by comedy. Yeah. The, the idea of writing a joke, and it's like it's almost like a poem. It's this tiny little mechanism that has to work in a perfect way. And getting to go on stage and just do that, and then come up with the next one, those are my novels to me. Mm. That I really didn't want to get into. I don't care about character, the story beats, the outline. Like I hated that stuff so much that it yeah. just it felt bad, and I didn't feel like pushing through to make it make it good. Like I'd be embarrassed by anything I put out. You know. Yeah. It would it would feel almost like a vanity project. Um, uh, putting out a novel that I could get something published. Like I almost, I wanted a book deal after my first TV show got canceled. I met with uh, book agents and I was like, I want to do like a very dark kind of Jack Handy-esque. It's like a hitman, an absurd hitman character who has these like little like vignettes of like of action. It's basically like a joke, but it's written out and it's very violent. And he was like, Brett Easton Ellis meets Jack Handy. I can sell that tomorrow. Uh, I can get you like, I can get you six figures. Like give me 20 pages and I'll sell it. And I was like, great. And I got five pages in and I was like, 
cancel that. Like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm going back to jokes. Yeah. I just, I love stand up. And the, my, each special I consider to be, like, I'm very precious with my specials in that hour. I'm like, these are my novels. Put those on a bookshelf. Yeah. And, uh, and that's going to be it for me. And who, maybe one day something comes across that I want to do, but I, I never wanted to do my, my stand up book. Yeah. You know? Everyone does do a stand up book. Everyone does it. And then they go away so quickly that I wouldn't want something that would go out of print. Right, you know. Well, it's kind of a it's a little bit of a money graft. Sure. The stand up book thing is like, it's just it's like more of me, you know, and that's fine. It's a it's fine for people that love to throw that stuff out there. I would when I hear like when I hear a collection of essays, I'm like, get out of here, (laughs) get out of here. A small collection of essays from your favorite comedian. Although I do think there's value in some someone to tell when you have a great story. Mm -hmm. Oh, if your story, if your life story is valuable. And there's some richness to that. You know, like, uh, I didn't know anything about Trevor Noah other than who he was until I heard about his life story. And, like, it's fucking, that's, I mean, there's merit in that that you're like, tell that fucking story. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I mean, um, Doug Stanhope's books are, uh, are amazing. Yeah. Um, fucking, have you read Daryl Hammond's memoir? Ugh. Holy uh, two fucking shit. Wait, hey, God, if you're there, uh, what is it called? Fuck. Hey God, if you're there, I'm. Oh my God, I want to know so bad. You're so close. God, I, I, I can't. I I couldn't tell you. It's but, something like that. It's like, Hey God, if you're there, I'm. I'm whatever. in trouble. Yeah, but that 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 book, I highly do recommend that for anybody. That that had some heartbreaking moments. Oh. About SNL, like that. Just this, this cr- just crippled with depression and anxiety. That of like leaving before they do that curtain call with the you know where everyone says goodbye and goodnight and like sneaking out the back. And having panic attacks, you know, during performances, it's like that oh, was, the story of him going to the inauguration. Oh my god, is insane! And like, there's a hell of a little asides where he's like, "I dated this girl for a while; she was beautiful." Ended up hanging herself from a ceiling fan, and, you're, <laughs> and that's the end. And he just like, moves on. Where you're like, "Fuck, Daryl." <laughs> yeah, he had that. I mean, have you ever met him recently? Do you see I've him? I've seen around? him. At, I saw him at Supernova. I used to, we used to kind of talk a little bit at the Comedy Cellar, mm-hmm. but he was not in the best frame of mind. You know, he was, he was very nice, he's, but... He, he, he's, he was a little... Medicaid. Yeah, but he would always... But he would watch sets, which is wild for guys of his generation would never fucking... Most of those guys would never fucking watch your set. I don't give a fuck how... You're Anthony Jeselnik. He's not gonna watch your fucking set. doesn't matter. But he would watch sets, like all the sets at the improv. And I was like, he's watching everybody, mm-hmm. which is so weird. And then made a good, nice comment to me afterwards and... I was like, oh, that's kind of wild to see that generation still actively involved because most of those guys don't do that. I shit. love when you when they introduce you, like at Supernova, where they have to like like Damon Wayans has to introduce me mm-hmm. and has to say something nice. And when he's like, he's one of the best stand ups working today. I'm just like that, like hits me right in my heart because I'm like, I grew up like ob- obsessed with you yeah. on In Living Color. And it's so cool that those guys. Or I met Dana Carvey, and he came up to me and was like, my kids, you're like my kids are comics and you're their favorite comic. And I was like fucking Dana Carvey knows who I am and is like a fan like that just it blows my mind every time that's awesome those guys you grew up watching yeah it's, it's uh is it upsetting when a legend doesn't know who you are that you're a big fan of when you get when you meet them and you're like oh I thought you might know who I am no it's upsetting when they're kind of like I've, I've I'm kind of have a rule to like not meet your idols like I've met people that I've been very like obsessed with and like you get some fame and it's like they're just not the who you want them to be and it's not even their fault it's just like they're on a different level than you in terms of like age and experience. Sure. They're on a different, uh, they're, you, they were where you were once and it's just not a pleasant experience that I'd rather just, unless they want to come meet me, then great. Or they have a podcast. 
Mm-hmm. Because if they have a podcast, they have to research you and be nice to you and ask you questions. <laughs> and that is great. <laughs> Being on Brett Easton Ellis' podcast was amazing. Yeah. And having uh, a beer with Brett Easton Ellis was not that great. What Really? Because it was just like, I, I don't know what I expected. Like, he wasn't, a ba- he wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't a bad dude. But it wasn't like, I was like, I've been reading your books my whole life. You're my favorite author. Yeah. And he was just like, so you don't have a job for me. Um, okay. Uh, I'm just going to pontificate on whatever. But doing his podcast was great. It was fascinating. Yeah. I, um, this is not me talking shit, but it is weird. Not that he's a hero. He was not a hero of mine. But it often happens where I know someone or I know who they are. And then I meet him and hang out with them through some other fucking person that's famous that I might know. And I'm like shocked at how they're so far from what I thought they would be. Like, mm. you know, uh, we were on the road and we met, um, uh, oh my God, from Tool, Maynard Keenan. Yeah, yes. And I'm in my mind, he's a totally different guy. And then when I meet him, he he has this owns this winery in Scottsdale and hosted us and was really sweet and nice and knew fucking everything about wine that you've ever heard of in your entire life down to the point where you're like, hey, are you saying this for you to hear or for me to know? Mm-hmm. Like it was so strange. It was like almost like an obsession, and it was just it wasn't bad. It was just so not what I thought he was going to be, which is shame on me for even projecting what it might be. But it was kind of a bummer in a weird way. Cause like he was fucking shit faced, just like just like convulsing about wine, and I was like, I didn't want this to be the thing that we talk about at all. Yeah, like I fuck, I don't give a fuck about wine. Yeah, but it's <laughs> not it's not their fault. It's like your expectations that you bring to the table totally. by, by worshiping this person is yeah. never going to be like exactly what you want. Well, have you met someone that's been kind of what you what you wanted it to be? You're like that's that's kind of that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh Ohm from the Queens of the Stone Age was exactly. When he kind of became friends, and it was like exactly. Uh, what you wanted, like drove the car you wanted to drive, like yeah. drank as much as you wanted to drink, like uh, just just had a great uh, great time, great stories, just really uh, really fun. Have you opened for that band before? I tried to. I was I was supposed to open for them at. Uh, I forget. We became friends because I like I went to a show. I did some benefit downtown at a bar that he like owns. I didn't even know he owned it. I just showed up, and he was like, "Hey, what's up?" I'm, like, I'm a big fan. I was like, "Holy shit!" And we start talking. And then they came to the comedy store, like as a band. And they said, we're doing, I tell the story on Kimmel where uh, they're like, oh yeah, we're almost done with our tour. We're going to do Europe. And then we're doing, um, we're doing San Quentin prison. We want to be like, do like a Johnny Cash tape an album. Oh, San wow. Quentin. I was like, do you need an opener? And he was like, that'd be awesome. We'll put you on the album. Like you'll be on the album cover with us. Like the album will open with your set and then us. And I was so happy. And it was like months later, we're doing it. And I guess I didn't know this, but San Quentin kept calling my manager, whoever was setting it up, and being like, "What's the set list? You can't say the like." And I get the rules, and I'm like, "I can't follow any of these. Like every joke I have breaks every rule that's here." <laughs> and the band can do whatever they want, but it's not that's not the same for me. And uh, and they like I get there, and they're like the guards are aggressive, and they're doing everything to keep me off stage, and I'm pissed because I'm like I wouldn't have gotten on the plane. I would have been fine not doing this. Sure, but getting here now, I'm mad. So I like I'm like. Let me introduce the band, at least. And they go, okay. And then I went up and did as much time as I could before they cut my mic. <laughs> which was like 90 seconds. Did the prisoners love it? The prisoners loved it. Yeah. They lo- of course they loved it. Like, they're in jail for fucking murder. They don't, they're not mad that you swore. They're not mad that right. you, like, talk about... So what's the reasoning for you? Because they think that might be inciting something yes. out of... The- yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Yes. That they're like, you start using that kind of language and talking that freely, these guys are going to think they're... Because that is part of the... To their to like just to play devil's advocate, 
the part of stand-up that is hard to articulate to people is that there is this feeling where they are kind of one with you and you are kind of this, they're, they're, we're together. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm speaking to us, for us, it's us. And they do kind of feel a part of a unit, which is why I think fans are always like, they want to see you and meet you and be with you and know you because they're like, we just fucking did that together. You're like, yeah. I just I just did it. And they're like, no, 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 dude. I fucking was there. I was there. Yeah, we have the same sense of humor. Like, right. I thought, this, I thought this was so funny and they're going to repeat it. Like, totally. I wasn't mad they, they, they didn't want me to perform. I got that. Yeah. I was mad they let me get there before they told me. Right. You know? That was what upset me. Or they probably, or the band knew and they were like, fuck it, we'll just figure it out because bands band, don't give the a The band shit. was like scared of like what I was going to do. They were like, you know, I don't know. Like I almost did, uh, I toured with Chris Rock on his last uh, big tour, like a, like a, his, like in the international part of it. Mm. And we were going to go to um, Dubai. Mm. And my agent calls me, he's like, we're worried about you. And I'm like, why? And they're like, they have, like the rules are crazy. Like we don't want you going to jail. Oh yeah, Dubai. you can go to prison. You can say. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what? Tell me just, tell me the jokes I can't say. You know, and I won't do those. I'm only doing fucking 15 minutes opening for Chris Rock. And they're like, that's not the case. It's not that. It's like Chris can say whatever he wants. He's Chris Rock. You cannot. And Chris ended up canceling Dubai anyway. So I was like, okay. But I yeah. realized, like, there are different rules for different people, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's why, like, uh, go try to fucking smoke at the cellar when you get to New York. It's like, yeah, Chappelle is going to do it. Mm -hmm. But if you do it, they'll let you do it. And then afterwards. Oh, you'll never be that. They'll come up to you and be like, hey, man. The fuck are you out of your fucking mind? But I know venues that won't have Chappelle because of smoking. Re oh, really? Yeah. He. I don't think I've seen him smoke at the store. I saw him at the OR smoke one time, but he usually doesn't smoke when he's there. Do you think that's conscious that he does that? Because he's like, I don't... It might be like in the belly room because he likes the belly room. I could see it being like, this is too much. You know what I mean? It's too much in the belly <laughs> it's room. It's a fucking shoebox. This, this is a crazy fire hazard. Maybe not there. And he did a special in there. Maybe he smokes during that. I don't remember. But I don't, I'm not like, oh, Chappelle's smoking now. I've never been around him enough to be like, oh, he's smoking. But I remember like, I had friends who run Meltdown. Remember Meltdown, oh, that yeah. old show? Yeah. We dropped in and he's smoking and when someone comes up and is like, you can't smoke in here. And he goes, are you serious? Like, no one's ever told him no. Right. You know, like Chevy Chase. I, th th there was like a summer camp I went to where Chevy Chase had a kid who went to the camp and there was no smoking anywhere because it's like, oh, just, it could all go up. And Chevy shows up and he's just chain smoking and throwing him around and no one's going to say anything. But then the yeah. other people at the show were like, no, no, you can smoke, you can smoke. It's okay. It's okay, yeah. Dave. Well, you're not going to say, you're not going to say no to him. Like I remember when Dave first came back, you know, from like his hiatus and he was doing clubs, like really secretly, he was bouncing around. There was a video that, that got up on YouTube. He was at the comedy store in London. You know that they, I think they have one there. It does. It no, has nothing to do with the no affiliation. There, yeah. yeah. But it is called the comedy store. I think that's where it was. But um, I do remember, he, he, it's pat. I mean, it's fucking like sardines in there. And you just see the tops of people's heads. And they're standing. And he's smoking and the ceiling's really low. And uh, from the back, someone's like, you can't smoke in here. And he goes, what? And the guy goes, you can't smoke in here, mate. And he goes, you can't smoke in here, mate. <laughs> Everybody fucking lost it. But of course, nobody stopped him. And I was like, that's Dave Chappelle. That, yeah. Like he's has he's he of course he's allowed to do that. Yeah. Who's gonna stop? I might also think it's an asshole move. Yeah, <laughs> like I would feel terrible. I would feel yeah. so terrible. I would feel fucking and I love awful. I love being a fucking asshole, but I would I would just be like everyone's got to smell this. Like, but do you love being an asshole, or is it that you love playing the asshole because who you really are isn't an asshole at all? If I think of something like I did this at Supernova where I buried a girl, I was uh, <laughs> this girl op like, was went right in front of me. It did an eight minute set. And did not get a single laugh. 
Mm. Like just died. Whitney and it, was there that night. I didn't know. Was, <laughs> she was just bombing. So and like you couldn't tell where the joke was. Like the audience wanted to laugh and right. was like waiting for it. And I thought of I thought of something funny to say. And then I was like, that's too mean. But then as I take a step on stage, I'm like, fuck it. And I go, give it up for eight minutes of silence, everybody. <laughs> and they went crazy. <laughs> where like afterwards, I was like, is she okay? Like is she all right that I said that? And yeah. she came up later and she was like, that was really funny. It hurt, but it was funny. Like, I get it. That, like, that's when I'm like, this is an asshole move, but it's so funny. Do you go up to her afterwards and go, hey, you know I'm... That's... Oh, fuck no. But if she comes up to me, like, she was like, that hurt, but it was really funny. And I'm like, you were great. And she walked away and I was like, why did I say <laughs> why that? Why did you fail? Like, why did I... <laughs> but I'm not going to be like, you were so bad I had to. It's like, yeah. I got to call it out. Like, yeah. I've been yelled at by people, not yelled at, but people have been upset at, at that show, Supernova, because they bring you up. Or like, at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. I make fun of everyone when I follow them. Yeah. I don't make fun of anyone in their intro. Because I don't want to cut your legs out before you get on stage. Right. You know, but I'll make fun of you as soon as I get on stage because your time is done. I did it to Rogan. I did it to Dalia. I do it to Sebastian every time. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter who you are. It's like, this is my time now. And I'm going to take something that you said and have my take on it. Sure. Um, and that, I think that's always fair game. Even if people get mad, I'm like, why are you mad? If they didn't laugh, like if someone, if they, if the audience does not laugh, which has happened on occasion, then you can get mad. <laughs> you know, then it's like me just being an asshole. Yeah. But if it's funny, yeah. it's my job to be funny and I'm going to use what, what you just did. You also do it with a little bit of, um, you know, like you, you know, you just said, you said earlier on about having a twinkle in his eye when Dave said something and you're like, that's the context version of comedy where you're like, you know what he fucking meant. He wasn't, this wasn't this brutal assault on you as a person or your community. This is a fucking joke. He's yeah. joking. In that same regard, you kind of do the same thing where you're in on the joke and you're with us and you kind of give like a little nod to the audience when you have punchlines that are really like hard hitting that they know that you know that you're like, come on, you know, I'm, it's, it's like re-reminding them through your face that you're like, you know we're fucking around. Yeah. Like you clearly know we're fucking around. And I'm not going on a rant, you know? Sure. People rarely get in trouble for one tweet. It's the tweet storm. Right. You know what I mean? It's like when you keep on hit going and you start fighting with people, that's when it becomes a problem. True. And I, listen, I've gotten in trouble for one tweet before. Uh, a couple times, but it's like, but it's the people was who it the, really I don't. hate shoes. Which one was it? No, that was fine. That uh, went over well, huh? I had a Boston Marathon uh, thing that was a it was more it was a was a big one. What was it? It was the day of the Boston Marathon bombing, and again, in my defense, I had a TV show at the time that was talking about the things you like weren't supposed to talk about. That was the, the, the name the of the fucking things. show. Yes, and I think this will be great. I'll tweet this joke, and then I'll have to defend it like on the show. And the joke was, and I, tr and I, and I'm very careful about how I do these things. Uh -huh. like the word choice is very important to me. That I don't say Boston, I don't say marathon, I don't say bombing. I just said, uh, there's guys today. There are just some lines that should not be crossed, especially the finish line. And I think like <laughs> this made my staff laugh. And if there, you can't like, it did. It didn't have triggers in it, you know. But right. because it was me. It like it set off this. I got this this huge backlash, and I'm kind of enjoying it. I'm like, the people, these people are going to watch the show, our season mm -hmm. finale, and then the network was like, take this down right now, and do not mention it on the show at all. Do Comedy Central. Say, yeah. me, oh my god. Yeah. Do not say a word about this at all. What is it though? What like what what's the thing that you've learned about how being kind of that evil twisted guy? It's like, what is it that you know you're going to get away with it then? And why did you know that that was going to fuck you up a little bit? I didn't know it was going to fuck me up. I thought like people are going to be like, this is kind of like the day Kobe Bryant died. Uh. All right. No one's everyone. Anyone who tried to fuck with that got buried hard. 
And Ari Shafir. Yeah. Is fucking like, but he went head on. He went right at it. Which do you respect as somebody who likes those kind of no. fucking dark twists? No, it's not up jokes. It's not that you did it. It's how you do it. Mm. I mean, art is getting away with it, mm-hmm. you know. And he just like went at, and it was he was just trolling. And I don't really respect trolling. Yeah, he know? was. Yeah, he was. But I like later on that day, and I was devastated that day. And then I see uh, a tweet that's like com- uh, announcing Comedy Central has announced they're going to start uh, airing reruns of James Corden in the mornings. And I just quote tweeted that and was like just when he thought this day couldn't get any worse. <laughs> and it was like, that is like, that's what I do. You know, yeah. I get away with it. And I thought with the Boston thing, it was like one person at Comedy Central that was like, take this down. Mm-hmm. And it was someone that I didn't have a relationship with. Yeah. That I'm like, why am I having to listen to this person now when the people I have relationships with, the higher ups, were like, you you got away with it in terms of like, because I, di- I didn't say Boston I didn't say bombing. I wasn't like, oh, somebody really bombed at the marathon, like which I saw a million of those. It wasn't that. It was like a very clever way to kind of like, you're not triggering someone, but you're like playing that chord. Sure. You know, just a little bit. But it, the trick is to get away with it. I don't want to be a troll. I want to be like so good that you're like, you made me laugh on this horrible day. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I've, I've been successful other times, but I didn't have a TV show, you know, at the time. Are you going to make a new TV show or no? You ever going to do that shit again? I would love again? to. I would love to bring good talk back, but I think it's dead. We tried, and people thought it was a talk show. And to get another a talk show hosted by a white guy is impossible. And I was like, it's not a talk show. It's like kind of making fun of them. It's, right. And I, we had the whole season written. I was two weeks from production when everything got shut down. That I had mm. the guests booked. I had, I had the episodes written that I could do it tomorrow if, uh, if everything came together. But trying to resell it after Comedy Central went down the tubes, was impossible. Are they still... What does that even mean, though? Are they still alive? They're still doing stuff, no? They're a production company now. They have the, they have, uh, the Daily Show, South Park, and Nora from Queens or whatever the fuck. But that's not coming back after this season. I don't know what that and is. It's that Aquafina show. Oh, I know her. Yeah. And, uh, and But they're not, they're not... No one's pitching to Comedy Central. It's like maybe they'll produce things, but they're rerunning The Office uh, 24-7. <laughs> Isn't that crazy to think? I remember being obsessed with Comedy Central my whole childhood was like there was nothing cooler like I remember how excited I, like when when Swartzen did his half hour that first half hour that was just oh yeah raucous I mean it was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen I remember being like getting on Comedy Central is like becoming a king mm-hmm. like you become you become cemented in history as the coolest oh, thing oh it was time. everything I mean yeah. pre- it was like you, getting on Premium Blend would change my life oh, and my it's like no I gotta get the half hour like no getting a special getting a TV show on right. there it's a, we're like musicians talking about MTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like things changed where stand-up changed. And I guess kids now maybe are like, I got to get on Netflix, you know, if I'm on. Yeah. Or maybe now I see YouTube specials that seem to do well. Yeah, Sam Morell. I, I had him over here. He's a homie. I mean, he he had his special had millions of views on it online, which arguably it would that's more there than he would have gotten on another platform. Oh, for sure. You know, on Amazon or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't even know. I just think that's... That's the new wave is cool. I'm not against it. I'm just saying it's wild to think how far that thing fell because for us, it was the pinnacle. And I don't know if that happens often in other performance art where you're like, this thing is undeniably the biggest thing that made superstars out of comedian. I mean, fucking even Dane Cook. I mean, they credit him with, you know, MySpace or whatever and all that stuff. But like his shit on Comedy Central was also why he got so visibly known. Oh, that half hour, Mitch Hedberg's half hour, Zach Galifianakis' half hour. Yeah, that one. Like those things. But that's back when they only had 20 of them. And they'd run them all the time. Yeah. By the time I got a half hour, they ran it like once or twice at midnight and right. you never saw it again. Mine ran at mine so, ran at eleven forty five. Yeah. Remember. So yeah. it didn't like 
it didn't mean that much anymore. And like specials, now everyone's got one. Yeah. But like, I, and again, I don't, I'm old enough, I don't really watch YouTube. So it seems like, oh, you're throwing it away. But then it's like, no, people are doing very well. Like I yelled at someone at Comedy Central right before they like really shut down. And I was like, my friend did a special for you and you buried it on the app. Why would you not air this special? Yeah. It's legitimately great. And the, this woman says, she was the head of Comedy Central. She goes, you know, in my defense, way more people saw it online than would have ever seen it if we aired it on the network. Because like, they would air, like they had aired Bo Burnham's special at midnight on a Sunday or midnight on a Saturday. <laughs> And you're like, why, why would you... No one sees that. Why would you do this? I think at some point they realized they were just counting the losses because it was just too hard to stay afloat. I mean, I think it was just... They couldn't compete. I remember when they were, we were pitching... I pitched stuff for that CC Digital that they started years ago. And I was like, this could be the new platform for them because they were trying to keep up with what was coming. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't. And it was just... And I, and, you know, I don't want to mention names of guys because you know all the people that were there. But it was just a bummer because I was like watching my friends who got jobs have the job slip away because mm -hmm. it, but it was so good at one point you were like this is you guys are you're the fucking this is wolf of wall street you know what i mean it's like they were the best they were the biggest yeah. everything they had all the coolest people wanted to go there but it's showbiz i mean when people get mad i'm like this is show business it's not fair no it's, it's not, so fucked it's not up. reasonable yeah like, things change and you just hope you get the wave do you know what i mean like yeah. bill burr like started the netflix wave he was the first guy in at netflix people were like Bill Burr is doing specials at Netflix. Why not Comedy Central? Why not HBO? And it was like, you don't understand. You know? Yeah. And what I, I guarantee Bill Burr, whatever Bill Burr does next will be the next big thing. We'll just follow Bill Burr. I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> Fucking too. All right, you're not on the road. Um, I appreciate you coming over here and doing this. I'm sure you got shows tonight. Um, no, I, I, take, I take Mondays and Tuesdays off. Oh, you do? Mm -hmm. I do my podcast. I was doing my podcast Tuesday nights. Monday night was usually like a non-comedy non night. And now with, with the, the NFL coming back, my my uh, podcast partner has to do it Monday night. So Does I he worked for the network. Is that what you said? For yeah, NFL he's network? an analyst for the NFL. Greg, uh, Greg Rosenthal. I know I know the name. I've seen and I know the podcast and also listen to Anthony's podcast with Gregory uh, Rosenthal. I actually didn't know his name was Greg. Yeah, Rosenthal because I just see Rosenthal. Yeah, the Justin Lick and Rosenthal Vanity Project, JRVP. Just it's if you like the Justin Lick offensive, it's like basically that in podcast form. Yeah, but just uh, the line is like, what's going to get Greg fired? Like, we don't get to do video <laughs> because we're worried that it would get him into trouble. I think about that, too. People are always like, because, you know, like me and Bobby on our show, and sometimes even on this show, if it, I'm with a guest that gets too fucking wild and wacky and we say stupid shit, people are like, what if FX sees that and, and gets mad? And I'm like, well, but what? But, but what? At some point, you're like, what? And unless I'm being so blatant out of out of line. Yes. Where it's, like, absurd and, like, rude and crap and gross. And even myself, I would be like, why did I say that? That's disgusting. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense. That's not who I am. I wouldn't yell all these, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, it's, I don't think, I think that fear has died down for most people. You're like, well, what am I going to say? Uh, as a, I'm a comic, but he's got the NFL network being like, hey man. Like we start, the podcast started at the NFL where he kind of snuck me into the building and we did it and it was called RJVP, the Rosenthal, the Rosenthal and Jessel McVanity Project. And every week they would go to him and be like, Hey man, like this could be a problem. Like if if somebody high enough sees this, mm -hmm. you're in trouble. You know, because like, I was I was really towing the line, going over the line there. Yeah, like making up stories about Roger Goodell. You know, like just crazy shit and or talking were about the, the things. Or were that, they like, made up? Like people thought they were true. I'd be like, I was riding up here in the elevator with Roger Goodell, and he was like, Anthony, your your new abortion bit is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and people like took it seriously, but he was like always kind of like, like we did our 16 episodes, and they were like, get out of here, like go. <laughs> 
Uh, and then we brought it back years later. What did uh, John Gruden call Roger Goodell an anti-football pussy? Is that what it was? That's maybe the funniest line I've ever. Th- those emails <laughs> when you so read, when you read all the lines, all the insults together, it was. Le- I think he was trying to be funny. Yeah. And some of them were legit hilarious yeah, in terms of funny. just like, in terms of just you know over like going over the over the line. But he used those old boy slangs where you're like you know when he said rubber lipping or whatever or tire no. tire what is he, called, like he said the guy's mouth his lips are as big as Michelin tires or something when he's because, like yeah. I call people rubber lips and he's right like, no you don't <laughs> no you <laughs> no, do you, not. it's not the forties yeah no one says over that rubber lipping no. Yeah. You know that wasn't true, but it was a funny defense, and it did make me laugh. He's like, we all say that, like, for yeah. sure. I, that was just, a, it was like a good try to get out. But I also think, in his defense, for sure, even though, because I laugh at all the stuff that he said, because it's insane, uh, A, don't send shit from a corporate email. Come on, but what are you doing? He wasn't. I think it was his personal, but it was to a corporate. One of the chains. I mean, that's the what I mean. It Washington. was to a corporate email. Yeah, yeah you got to know. You can't it, oh, fucking can't be like at NFL. I never as a comic. I never. I'm like publish my emails. You know, yeah. like I know I've talked wild shit. Like I'm on text change with with comics. Yeah, we. Where all, they'll be yeah. like, they'll be like, should we delete these? And I'm like, who cares if they find out we're making fun of X that we're you know? being mean? <laughs> yeah, like oh, are they going to get mad? Like are we going to lose jobs? Right. Like I, I don't, I don't sweat it. No, but also open up all the hey NFL, open up all the owner's emails i'd love to see all those i, was, I, cu- I couldn't believe the one person they got was gruden like it, that's insane to me well and you I, know why i think he had to go well you know why anytime it's somebody like that that's so specific where like the scope is pointed at one target it's because somebody that he ha- used to work with is like fuck this guy i'm fucking clipping this guy yeah it's it's it's, it's such a coordinated effort that you're like this isn't an accident but if they had been like we found these emails they got leaked like this is the thing but like the nfl leaked them Yes. The NFL was like, we would look through hundreds of thousands of emails and John Gruden's fired. 100%. He's, like, he's got to be like, an investigation into Washington? I get, yeah. I get, I get caught? Yeah, but that's also, and it all points back to politics too. They're always trying to shark someone that they have an issue with. And if you're caught in the crossfire, in his case, he was, you're out. It's fucking over. Oh, the, 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 the way that works, like is how, if someone gets canceled, mm-hmm. quote unquote, on the right, you know, on the, on the political right, sure. someone gets canceled on the left. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's a, the the only reason that um, who's the, the senator? I know uh, Al, Franken. Al Franken. Al Franken got got because someone on the right had I forget who it was. One hundred percent. They were going for someone. They're like, we got to get one of yours now. Like, well, that, when Roseanne got taken down. Yeah. And they're like, we've got to find someone to get on the left. Mm-hmm. It's like really, it's got to be even like that. You can't. It can't just be an individual thing. No, they have to. That has that's eye for an eye shit. Franken was probably in response to. Uh, uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, the guy that was uh, on trial for. Uh, that incident in college. Why can't he, he cried? I drink many beers. What the fuck was that guy's name? Oh, the fucking Supreme Court justice. Yeah, now. that was on the that was on the, the exact same timeline that yeah. Al Franken got clipped. It was like because and they were going after Trump for the same thing. Hundred percent, like, dude. That was if like if we get him to resign, maybe Trump will have to feel pressure. And totally. Like, that's no. how many? How many? That's just like it is truly. It's like chess. It is political chess. They're like you get okay, you get upon, then we get upon. Mm-hmm. But it's all to protect this other thing, which is Pizzagate pedophiles, Epstein's Island. Uh, which I'm not going to say whether or not you've been there, but you have shown me text messages of how pretty the water is. He's a great friend. <laughs> a dear friend. I miss him every day. <laughs> um, you guys, uh, uh, go see this man live here in Los Angeles if you live here. If you don't, he's going to be on the road, maybe sometime down the road in the future. Who the fuck knows? Uh, when it's ready, it'll be ready, okay? You can't can't eat the cake yet, but go uh, listen to the podcast uh, to keep up with this gentleman because he's the best. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I'll see you this week at the show because I'm sure we're doing one together at least. Look in that camera right there and say one word or one phrase to end this show. One word or one phrase. Uh, you will probably not see me on a podcast again for at least two years. 
In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. 